This morning, I want to continue to speak about heaven. We've been talking about heaven over the, la- the past few weeks, and um, heaven is just a topic that we could talk about for a long, long time and never exhaust it. And that's a good thing. But as we talk about heaven, I want to ask you a question. Are you getting excited for spring and summer to get here? Let me ask you. Are you starting to get excited about it? Yeah, I know I am. I, I always, in fact, I always look forward to the change of seasons, whether it's fall to winter or summer to fall. But I do enjoy this winter, spring to summer season because it always gives me anticipation of new life. And I just, and I, I start planning my summer activities. I start planning the things that I'd like to do in that. And you know, and I want to talk this morning about the planning aspect of life. Because we all plan things. Planning is a necessary part of our life, whether we like to think about it or not, because some of us are more spontaneous and less planned out than others. But, but the old saying is, failing to plan is planning to fail. Failing to plan is planning to fail. We must have an element of planning in our life if we're going to um, have a good life. So I want to talk about this morning about, about planning. And I will confess to you that I am not the best planner. There are, my wife is much better at planning than I am. Um, thank goodness that she is. Otherwise, we would be in a world of hurt much of the time. But it's still a very important thing that we need to consider. You know, and it's a good thing that I can preach about things that I'm not good at. <laughs> And uh, so I, I would, I'm looking forward to this message today because it's really as much for me, maybe more for me than it is for you in many ways. But I want to talk about planning. And let me give you an example about what planning may or may not look like. All right. Let's, let's imagine for a while, for a few minutes here, that we are a family and we have some younger kids in our family and we still have school-age kids and that we have jobs and that we have a summer vacation goal ahead of us, and that is to take a vacation. That come summertime, we're going to take two weeks or three weeks or whatever we can get off work, and we're going to go on a summer vacation. And the kids are out of school, and we have a desire to travel and have some family, uh, fun family time together. We're going to have a family vacation. So let me ask the question. Is it enough just to have the desire to do this? Or are there some things that we have to do in order to make it happen? I mean, here it is in April, and I'm thinking, okay, July, I want to go on a vacation. Is it enough just to think about it? Or do I have to put some things in motion to make it happen? Here's one way to look at this kind of activity. We know it's coming. It's April 8th. We know July 4th is coming. We know it's coming And we can say, okay, well, we'll deal with it when it comes. We know it's coming. I don't have time right now to make any plans. I'm just too busy with everything. But I'm sure that when July 4th comes that we're going to have a great vacation. I'm sure we'll figure it out then. Or you could say, you know, I got lots of time between April 8th and July 4th. I don't need to start planning now. I can put it off a little bit. I'm going to put it off, but I know that by come July 4th, we're going to be ready for a great vacation. Well, let me ask you, what kind of vacation probably will that be like come July 4th if that's the attitude that I have right now? It's probably not going to happen. 
come July 4th, I'm going to have some disappointed kids. I'm going to have some really frustration happening in my family because I didn't prepare. But yet I thought, oh, come July 4th, we're going to have a great vacation. Now let me talk to you about another way that we might want to plan this activity out. Maybe we start looking at it and say, okay, we want to have a vacation. So now let's start looking about dates. When do we want to do it? And maybe I should look at and talk to my boss. Um, when can I get some time off? How much vacation time do I have? Okay, I got, I got two weeks. Okay, I got two weeks. Now let's look at the dates. July 4th till July 14th or whatever, that tw- July 21st. Okay, so now we start thinking about the date. And now we start reserving some vacation days at my job. And then we start looking about, okay, family, where do we want to go? What do we want to do? Do we want to go to Disney World? Do we want to go to the Grand Tetons? Do we want to go to... Uh, now, Petoskey, you know, what, what do we want to do, you know, on this vacation? And then we can, so we, we, we begin the process of planning it out. And now do we want to drive or do we want to fly? Are we going to drive or are we going to, you know, do we want to make a, do we want to fly? And then if that's the case, I better start saving some money. I better start saving for my vacation, and I better start making some reservations. I better get on the hotels, and I better get on the airlines, and I better start making some reservations, and I better start deciding if I'm going to buy tickets. When I get to Disney World, are we going to go into Disney World? Or are we just going to go to uh, you know, Challenge Mountain? Or what are we going to do? So I've got to start buying tickets, and I've got to start doing this thing. And, and basically, it takes a lot of preparation for the vacation. If I want it to be a good vacation, I need to start planning now, Right? That's what we do. That's what smart people do, at least. That's why I have my wife. <laughs> because she will help us have good vacations like that. And, and, and it doesn't make a difference if it's a summer vacation or retirement or birthday parties or weddings. Did I say weddings? Oh, man. That's where my wife is at right now. She's planning for a wedding. So we got two weddings we're planning for this summer. And so it's going to be crazy. But... So I'm not going on vacation. <laughs> like I said before, if you hear that whooshing noise from northern Michigan, it's money flying out of my wallet. That's just what it is. But having a vacation goal in mind is the key to making necessary plans and being able to see the value of what we might have to sacrifice in the moment to make the plan happen. Right? I have to have that goal. I have to have that expectation set out there. And when I have that, if I have to sacrifice now, it gives me a little bit of fun in the middle of the sacrifice. See, because we, we have doldrum days, don't we? I, I mean, let's be honest. We have days that are just not fun. Even though uh, I like my job, even though I enjoy being a pastor, even though, though you enjoy your job, there are some days that just aren't, Maybe the best. So we have some doldrums. And you know, when I, can, when I can keep my mind recognized in the moments of the doldrum days and, and, and the, the days that just aren't going so well, realizing that, you know, I'm doing this because if I do this well now, I can really enjoy my vacation in July. And it gives me the ability to begin to enjoy more of my day-to-day activities because I'm setting that as an expectation of how I'm going to get to tomorrow and thereafter. So it helps my attitude. It helps me to make the hard choices that I have to make sometimes in the, well, do I spend the money now or do I save that money? 
You know, do I want to um, look for that short-term pleasure right now or do I have to recognize that if I save it now, I can buy those airline tickets and those, those tickets to Disney World and I can pay in advance and I don't have to worry about credit card charges. I don't have to worry about that fact. And I, there's so many things I can, I can enjoy more if I pre-plan activities. And this is just an example, but life is full of planning. Life is full of it. <laughs> life is full of planning. But maybe sometimes we can overplan. Alan Sanders quotes this. He says, Life is what happens to us while we are making other plans. <laughs> Life is what happens to us while we are making other plans. So there are some things that we just cannot plan. Even though planning is very important, there are some things that just get us off guard catch us off guard and we're not quite prepared because we we were planning for this and then this happened and it could totally change our plans and this is where it's best for us to seek the wisdom of god that we should recognize that god is the provider of all of our plans whether or not it's making our plans come together right now or if we have to be patient and wait on god proverbs 15:22 plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You know, sometimes our planning needs to get bigger than ourselves. Sometimes I need to get out of my own little world of planning. And the Bible says that plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. It's okay to ask for advice. It's okay to ask for help in planning activities. Proverbs 16, chapters, uh, verses 1 through 4. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All of a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Man, part of that counsel process of my planning needs to be Who? the Lord. Maybe I should ask him what he wants of me before I start making some of my plans. And it might go better for me at the end too. Proverbs nineteen twenty one: Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And then I love Romans eight twenty eight: when times just go wrong for us, because sometimes we are planning things to go this way, and then all of a sudden, this happens. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you are a follower of Christ, recognize that no matter what you're planning, if God changes the plan, he's working it out for your good. If you are a follower of Christ, recognize that if you have other plans and God comes in and says, nope, I got plan A or plan B, what's the best thing for you to do? Should you fight God's plan? Or should you just say, okay, God, show me. Show me how are you going to make this? How are you going to work this out for my good? Because I don't see it. I don't see how you're going to take this mess that I'm in and how you're going to work it out for my good. But that's called trust. It's called faith. It's called recognizing that God is never taken off guard by 
planning, either my lack of planning or my exuberance in planning. God always has the best plan for us if we would only submit to it. And then a verse that we've all probably have memorized, and that is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and future. You know, God truly is a planning God. Now, whether we've quoted these in context or not, because sometimes we, we, we will be guilty of taking some of God's word and maybe, uh, maybe taking it out of context because we want to put God in a box to manipulate him to abide by my plans. <laughs> so we can't do that. We, can't, we have to make sure that we're not putting God in a genie, a, a genie in a bottle where we just rub the bottle and say, okay, God, now come bless my plans. Not a good way to do that, and that's not my point here. God is sovereign, and his plans are always better than mine. So rather than to try to convince God to meet my plans, my point is here is that we are to live in a relationship with God so that we are together in the planning process. Wouldn't that just be more sense that we would live so close to the Lord, that we would have such good relationship with him, that we would be practicing the presence of God at all times in our life so that when we have choices that are coming along our way, that we say, God, we have this choice coming up. What do you think about it? What do you think, Jesus? What do you think about that time I have to spend? Should we take vacation? Should we go to Disney World? Or maybe we should go help some people. I don't know what it is. But rather than us getting so... So involved in our planning, maybe we should trust the Lord first. Maybe we should go to him first and invite him into our planning process. Reminds me of Psalms chapter 37, beginning of verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, I think so often we want to look at verse 4. And he will give you the desires of your heart and start there. But we need to start at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord. I mean, spend our time first focusing in on who Christ is. Focusing in on the good, good Father. Focusing on who he is. And we spend our time there first. And then he says, he will give us the desires of our heart. And here's the key to that. The more that I'm chasing Christ, the more my desires are lining up with his desires. And so it's not an issue of either or. It's an issue of our desires because now my heart is lining up with his heart and now it becomes a joint plan. And if I have God in my plans, rest assured they will succeed. Rest assured that if you have God in your planning, it will come to pass for your greatest benefit. That's really good. That is really good. You could go home now. Oh, you're still here. Okay. I, I gave you an opportunity to leave, and you didn't leave. So now you've got to stick longer. So now that we've established this morning that planning is not only logical, but it's biblical, we need to learn how to do that. Not only is planning logical, but it's biblical. So let me ask you the question about your future. How are you planning for heaven? Are you planning for heaven? Let me ask it that way first. Are you planning for it? 
Well, some, here are some typical answers that I would expect. Well, of course I am. I'm saved, aren't I? Of course I am. I'm saved. That's kind of like, I have a desire to take a vacation in July, but I'm not doing anything about it. Another question, I, another answer I might get is, no, we're not supposed to think that much about heaven because it makes me more unproductive on earth. So I'm really not supposed to think about heaven. So, no, I'm really not because I'm focusing right here. I've got to do what I've got to do right here. Another answer I might expect is heaven. Uh, no, I'll figure it out when I get there. I'm a good person. I'm sure that I'm good enough to make it. And, uh, and when I get there, I'm sure I'm going to be really happy there. Hmm. Or I could say, oh, I don't have to think about it because God's got it all planned out and it's just going to be there when I get there. And so, I mean, I, I can see all those research, answers and, and, you know, maybe there's some truth in some of those answers. I'm not saying they're all negatively false and everything, but, but it really does remind me of that example of the family that's not planning for vacation and then expecting to have a great one when they get there if you're not planning ahead a little bit. Let me ask you the question. Do you think God's planning for heaven? Do you think he's making any plans? The Bible says he is. John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. It says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You don't think that's planning for heaven? You don't think that God has a plan for heaven, that Jesus is up there making preparations for us today? Absolutely he is. And that's only one of many passages that we could turn to in the Bible that it would indicate that God's planning. He's planning for our arrival. He's planning for the day that we finally will get there, and then he's planning for what are we going to do for all eternity after that. Not just the first day, but he's got plans for eternity already established. Now, when do you think God started making those plans? You think he just started last week? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose, his planning, and his grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel, God started planning for our eternity before time began. This is not an afterthought for him. This is not, oh, I forgot about Mike. I better start planning about him. No, he knew me, he knew you before time ever began, and he started putting a plan in place for you at the very beginning of that, and he said, I have a plan for that man's life, for that person's life, for that church, for whatever, and I have a plan in this life and for all eternity. So my best advice is to get on board with it and start trying to figure out, God, what is the plan? Teach me your plan. Help me to know what your plan is for me. Help me not to kick against the goads. Help me not to think that I have a better plan when you've already got one established. Teach me. So how do we do that? How do we plan? Well, the first and most obvious answer is we must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is not, a, this is not a, a message to the world. This is a message to Christians. 
you must first have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you get that only through the Son of God, right? You, we know how to get there. We, we've taught this lesson before many times. We're, we have to have a fullness of who Jesus is. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his own and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is God's planning coming in in verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but his plan was to save the world through Jesus Christ. It's God's plan. We have a, we have a blood-bought relationship. That's what we talked about. That's what we sang about. That's what we worshiped about this earlier this morning, about coming to the altar. It's a free gift. God says, I give it to you all, guys. All I require from you is open arms. Open arms and receive it. See, salvation is that, is that first moment of understanding our redemption. The first moment. But then we need help in living a life thereafter. We need help in living a life that we can't live on our own. We couldn't save ourselves, and quite honestly, you can't live a Christian life on your own any more than you could save yourself. Do you know that? You need the help of the Holy Spirit. You need the help of God. This is how we plan. We plan by asking the Lord to help us get through our daily lives. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. This is how we start to plan. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you for a little while. What? Oh, forever. Oh, forever. And he will give you another helper that he will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Why? Because they're not blood-bought. Because they haven't, received, they haven't received the blood of Christ to cover for their sins. They're not blood-bought yet. The world cannot receive that. And they cannot see this. But we can Continue on in the scripture, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What a promise. We are not here alone. God did not save us and then abandon us to try to figure it out to do it on our own. Thank the Lord, because I'm not a very good planner. I need the Holy Spirit to help me plan. I need the Holy Spirit to help me give me daily direction. Keep me on that narrow path. Don't let me wander around. Don't let me go to the extreme on either one. Keep me in the narrow path. Keep me in the narrowest part of the road. Keep me in the, the, the middle of the narrow road. That's where I want to be. And the only way I can be there is through the Holy Spirit's power to help me there because I can't do it alone. And I don't have to do it alone. And I shouldn't be trying to do it alone. Thank the Lord for that. So how do we apply this? How do we make this part of our, of our planning process? The planning part of getting to heaven, just like the planning part of many of our trips, can be the most fun. I love planning for vacations. I can remember as a kid, um, when we were, I was in eighth grade, my mom and dad, we had some friends up in Juneau, Alaska, and they were going to take six weeks, and we were going to go to Juneau to see Len and Janae Garrett. Some of you might know Len and Janae. They were here years ago. Jen Leonard was the captain of the Sundew, the Coast Guard cutter here when he was a long time ago. So we were going to take six weeks and go to Juneau. And, you know, we had more fun. We bought a little trailer, a travel trailer, about 
18 feet long. It wasn't very big. But we had more fun. We got that trailer, and we started to remodel it. I can remember helping my dad, you know, fix it up on the inside and fixing some bunk beds and doing all that stuff. I can remember getting out the Atlas at the time. There had no GPS. It was a map. And I can remember getting out atlases and laying out the, 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 the roads and figuring out which route we were going to take and uh, how long we were going to get. We were going to spend some time in Yellowstone National Park and we were going to do this and we do that. And, you know, all the dreaming and all the research that we did, that was fun. That was, that was as much fun as the vacation, quite honestly. You know, and, and, and that's the thing that we can do right now in our planning for heaven. This can be fun, guys. This can be fun. This, there is nothing boring about planning for heaven. We're doing the research right now. And that's good because if we're going to spend eternity there, what, doesn't it only make sense to know a little bit about it before you get there? Not that we're ever going to truly comprehend it because I will tell you that it's going to blow you away. I mean, the sights and the sounds and the smells and the tastes and the experiences we're going to sense with our five senses. And who knows, we may have six or eight or ten senses. We may have more senses than we even know. We may have more senses. We, <laughs> we, we're senseless right now compared to what we're going to be in heaven. But it's an awesome thing when we start thinking about what heaven's going to be like. And it's our right and it's our duty and it's our responsibility now to start thinking about it. Because when I start thinking about it, it helps me get through the days that are hard in this life. Now understand, let me put this little caveat here because this is important. Understand that we have an enemy, we have an opponent that will try to keep us from doing this. That opponent is is Satan. He is the enemy of our life and he is totally against us making plans for heaven. He knows, first of all, he knows how good it was. He knows that he gave it up. And he's angry that we're going to get it. He doesn't like it. So he's going to bring all kinds of silly excuses for you, you of why you shouldn't be planning for heaven. And he's going to throw all kinds of roadblocks at you, all kinds of stumbling blocks at you, and he's going to throw all kinds of nonsense at you to take the fun and the excitement out of learning about heaven. So let's just recognize that when we start feeling this, these excuses coming, recognize where they're coming from. They're not coming from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you into more of him. It's coming from the devil. So just recognize that. So how do we then find a meaningful way of planning for heaven? I will tell you, from my experiences, the happiest and the most contented people that I know on this earth are the ones that have a correct perspective about heaven and where they're going. It's the person that really is confident in their faith of who Jesus is to them, and they practice the presence of God on a daily basis, and they invite the Holy Spirit to give them insights into their future, those people can be very content in this world. We are on a journey, folks. This is not our home. And the people that recognize that are the most happy people that I know. They're not striving for what tomorrow brings here on earth. These are the people that really understand and can apply Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Those are contented people. 
We're instructed to do things here on earth that lay up treasures in heaven. We're supposed to do that. How many times? How many times do we strive for things here on earth? I mean, we really work hard for some things. Not bad things, good things. But when we get them, it's not long and we're bored with them. We're not long and we find that they really didn't give us the thrill that we thought it was going to give us for as long as we hoped it was going to give us. (laughs) I remember when I was a a younger dad, my son Tyler, I think he was, I don't know, 12 maybe. Um, Do you remember men, boys here? (laughs) We're all boys. Do you remember getting a race car set, slot cars? And we would set up that race car set and it would go around in circles. And we could, you know, and so I... We had one. Barney and I had one as kids. I loved it. So I thought, Tyler's going to love this thing. So I went out, and I bought the biggest one I could find, and I had to get a 4 by 8 piece of plywood. And we set it up on this big piece of plywood, and it went round in circles and ups, ups and down and straightaways and curly cues. And we had, I mean, I had more fun setting that thing up. You know, we did it together, and it was a great father-son project. And I thought, man, this is going to give him hours of fun. He's going to have all of his friends over, and they're going to spend hours and hours and weeks playing with this thing. He played with it three hours, and he was bored. I was so disappointed. I had more fun up with it than he did. But the reality is... In today's world, if things aren't moving quick enough, we get bored. You know, if that thing could have been changed, if that, if that track could have had a different changed layout, like his, like his um, uh, what, what is the games on video? What are they? I don't even know what they are. The Xbox? You know, I mean, he liked that because he could change the games all the time. But this got boring because it was set on a piece of hardwood and it was set in a particular place in a pattern and it didn't change and he got bored with it in about three hours. It was an electric one, Greg. And I'd even plugged it in. And the cars actually moved around the track. <laughs> but the reality is, we find ourselves chasing the temporary things, thinking that they are going to be the permanent fulfillment of life. And we're going to be disappointed very quickly when we get them and they don't do what they think they're going to do for us. That's why we lay treasures in heaven. And I will tell you that if you lay a treasure in heaven, you will be blessed by it forever and you'll never be bored of what God's going to give you in return. You will never be be bored of the rewards that are going to come your way as you're faithful planning for heaven today. Paul tells us in Colossians a good way to plan. So open your Bible because we're going to be here for a little bit. Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. We're going to read 17 verses. We'll break them down a little bit. This is Paul telling the Colossians the best way to plan for heaven. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, let's stop for a minute. The first statement here declares who Paul is talking to. He's talking to Christians. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Those are people who have applied the blood of Christ to their life. Those are Christians. 
We are to set our hearts on things above in a continual process, not just once in a lifetime, every day. This is a lifestyle of living with an intentional goal and a destination that I am achieving on a daily basis. It's measuring everything I do with an eternal mindset. I need to measure what I do today. Is it going to give me an eternal reward? Is it going to give me a blessing at the end of the day, or is it going to detract from our eternal rewards? There's nothing wrong with thinking through things like that. There's nothing wrong with measuring my activities, measuring my thoughts, measuring my, um, my, my deeds. Am I wasting time, or am I laying up a treasure? It's good things for us to recognize. Verse 5, since we've died to our old self and now we're hidden in Christ, there's some things that we're to do now. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So we have some things that we are to put off. Because we've died to our old self, this is part of measuring our activities to say, is this going to be a contributor to my eternity or is this going to be a hindrance or a detractor to my eternity? It's okay. We need to measure some things. We need to know that God is calling us to be set apart, holy, sanctified, all right? And I know that for the most of us here, these are not issues we struggle with. I know that. I know that most of us in this room today are, are living the, the victorious life. But at the same time, if there's one person that's struggling with this, then it is worth it. Or maybe I'm living with 90% of these things and there's 10% I'm still struggling with. Well, let's get it 100%, right? Let's just go all in for Christ here. Let's not hold anything back. It's not saying you are. Let's just examine ourselves all the time. Let's just constantly be on the guard, that we're, watching, that we're watching out, that we don't allow ourselves to get distracted by the enemy at all in any way. And then verse 12, Paul then continues and explains what a godly person should be doing in his preparation for the process of living life. Verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, here we are, we're Christians, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's how we plan, guys. We put on love. We put on compassion, humility, 
We look at the other person as, as, how can I serve you? Rather than, what can I get out of you? How can I serve my church? Rather than, what can I get out of my church? What can I serve my wife or my family? Rather than, what can I get out of them? You see, Paul is seeing the big picture here. He begins with the reality that we are starting as people separated by God. We are holy and sanctified. And then he's moving into the relationship that Jesus wants to develop in us, a new mindset of how we live our lives, how we serve people. And then he's reminding us that what we were and what we are to avoid going back to. And then he gives us a picture of what we should look like and what we should be practicing. I need to be practicing the presence of God. And then he emphasizes the importance of love being the ruler of our lives. Loving God and loving people. We're to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts as we teach and encourage others to allow the same things to happen. And we do this through the wording of God's word and the worship from our hearts. And then we finally we end up in an attitude of giving thanks to God the Father. That's how we plan for heaven. That's how we do that. That's how we apply our life this way. This is how we live out our mission statement of being heavenly effective through earthly relevance. I'm going to be heavenly effective, or I'm going to have heavenly enjoyment. The more relevant I am on earth, the more relevant I am with people, the more I serve people here, the more I'm going to have in heaven forever and ever that I'm going to be able to enjoy or be effective at doing as I'm effective and as I'm relevant here on earth. This is a lifestyle that makes us look like Christ. Jackie, would you come, please? Guys, church is really important. Gathering together like this is very important. There are many people that say, I can be a good Christian and not come to church. I can be a good Christian by myself, in my own little world. And I'm not saying they are or aren't. I'm not judging them. But I am saying that there is great strength when we come together and we encourage each other and we admonish each other and we pray for each other and we worship together in unity like this. This is where the strength is. In fact, we're told by the, by the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and, and it says, let us not consider, or let us consider, sorry, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. In other words, how can I encourage you? How can you encourage me? And it says, not giving up meeting together, not, get, not giving up coming to church, not coming up fellowshipping with each other. It says, and it continues, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Every day that ticks by as we're one day closer to the return of Christ. Every day. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but I don't know. But I do know that tomorrow I'm one day closer when this day is over. So as the day is approaching, I am to, to, to encourage each other. I'm to encourage you. And you're to encourage me. And I want to just continue to encourage us to come together more often like this. See, there is a practice of getting in the presence of God that helps us in our planning process. It's really worship. It's really all about worship. And worship isn't just singing, but worship is getting a quiet time. Can I encourage you to find your quiet times? Just you and Jesus. 
just get together and just invite him in with open arms in the busyness of your life if you would just take a few minutes and settle down and slow down and just maybe shut the lights off get rid of all the visual hindrances and just sit quietly put some worship music on and just sit quietly in the presence of the Lord and just let him bathe you in the presence of God that is preparation that's planning And let him feed into your life what he wants you to do as you're planning the process of living for heaven. See, heaven can come to earth in that process. I will tell you, the way the broken world is right now, it will never be utopia here. But there's coming a day. There's coming a day when God is going to restore all things. And this will be our home. That's another subject for another sermon. But right now, heaven can come to earth in your quiet times, just by yourself. And then bring the successes, bring the testimonies of that together and share it with others and enjoy other presence of other people. Amen. It's good. It's good to be planning. It's good to be daydreaming. It's good to be envisioning all that God has for us because he's got so much. Let's sing the song Jackie's playing. And let's just celebrate this morning as we truly embark on the planning process of heaven. Amen. Stand with me if you would. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender
Father, you are so good to us. I'm so thankful, Father, that I can look at you and call you my dad. That I can call you my brother, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, that you are my helper, willing and able, desiring to help me every day to make proper plans. Lord, that I would always be striving to lay treasures of there and living not so much for here. That I can let these things go with open hands and open arms to receive from all that you have for me. What a trade. What a great trade. And I receive that. And so, Father, I pray blessings on us today. I pray blessings on this church today and everybody here that's heard this message and has been part of our worship today that you would just go with them and honor them and bless them. And, Father, bring newness and fullness into their lives today as we all work together that one day, Father, we will celebrate one day forever and ever in the presence of our Father, that we'll celebrate at your feet, and it'll be a grand worship experience. And it'll be a grand life, all because we planned properly today. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed today as you go.